morning. And yes, for sure, good morning to everyone at home. Um, whatever reason you're not here, we are thinking of you. And um, yeah, I just want to pray a special blessing on the people at home um, for health, for peace, and um, for a special encouragement for those those of our family who are not here today. Yeah, Jesus. All right. Now, these three remain faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. And so the last few weeks we've been looking at faith and hope, done brilliantly by Caleb and Matt. Thank you so much. Um, and today we're looking at the greatest of these, which is love. I'm so excited. I'm so privileged to be able to um, look at the Bible, at God's precious word, together with you guys today. And this is its foundational stuff. It's it's basic to the Christian to the Christian life. But I also found when I've been preparing for this that it's been convicting and it's been confronting and challenging and it it got me in here and so I pray at Holy Spirit for all of these um, dear ones here that wherever they need to be got as well that that they get what you're trying to say that that you fill them that you um, teach them and encourage them and make us more mature in love today. And before I start, I want to credit um, Sam Harvey of um, Bay Vineyard in Napier, who did a devotional over the pastor's Zoom a few weeks ago, and he did something along the lines of this, and we thought it was so awesome that we're like, can we have your notes, please? So he sent them to me very kindly, and so a lot of this is inspired by him. All right. God and love can't be separated. God is love. The Bible is the story of how God created this world out of love, out of his love, to be loved, but how that world chose to separate itself from his love and inviting, therefore, fear and hate and selfishness to take its place. But how that God, he he continued to love us and he continued to reach out to us in love, so much so that he extended the greatest act of love that the world has ever seen to us, his life for us. And he's calling all of us back into that love. And it's just so indiscriminate, this love. It it includes, it's inviting absolutely everybody. You and me and everybody in this city and everybody in every city that makes this city look like a speck. This entire world as love reaches to the heavens. It is vast. We see it time and time again in the Bible. Famously, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Sorry to the people at home, if if I'm standing exactly um, where you want to be seeing, I'll try and say the the references. God's love is exactly that. It is God's love. Therefore, it is infinite. It is perfect. It is beyond comprehension. Yet, every human is made to need it. We are not complete without the love of God. In passages like this, we see Paul grappling with words to try and impress upon his readers just how much we need to know God's love. It's Ephesians 3, 16 to 19. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And you may have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete, 
with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. It's out of knowing God's love, even if we only comprehend a small corner through a dirty window, that this is where the fullness of life and power of God comes from. God's love is our purpose and our prize. Sam Harvey said, God's dream over your life is that you discover his incredible love for you in his presence and then spill that love into everything and everywhere you go. Isn't that awesome? Love it. So if we want to be a people of love, what does that mean? Well, love for this community is not defined by our culture. It is defined by God. And love in our culture is swept up in the commodification of everything. It's really obvious that we see the extreme end in something like Tinder, but actually all relationships in our culture are in danger of becoming transactional. As in, I'm in this for what I can get out of it. Even if what I'm getting out of it is a feeling, it's still, as long as I'm getting it, I'm in, but if I'm not, then I'm out. And we do that with one-on-one relationships, with romantic relationships, with family relationships with institutions or brands, even churches, we, it's, it's the norm. If my um, return isn't worth the investment, then the value, there's no value in this for me. But the way Jesus talks about love is completely different. John 13, 34 to 35, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. And again, in John 15, this is my commandment. He's repeating himself, it's so important. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. So how did Jesus love us? He laid himself down. The greatest act of love that the world has ever seen was cruciform. It was God nailed to a cross on our behalf, on the behalf of a world who didn't love him, who actually hated him, and he commands us to love like this. And so how do we love like this, lay down for others? We, we hope that we won't actually have to physically lay our, our lives down for someone else, but what ways are we called to lay ourselves down for others? Is it laying down our pride or our comfort or our desires for others, our needing to be right or to have the last say? laying down our rights or privileges for the good of someone else. And it will be that this love that we have, not a love for show, but a genuine laying down of ourselves, that will be the love that demonstrates to the world that we are being made in the pattern of our laid down saviour. When we give ourselves in love for each other, that's when people see the resemblance, the family resemblance to the one who made us and the one who gave himself for us. So we need to ask ourselves, is this the presence we have in culture, online, in workplaces, in our classrooms, in traffic, in supermarkets, in whatever situation we're finding ourselves in? In the world, we love the ones we agree, who are worthy or who are in vogue. And, and then it's fine to rip someone to shreds if they fall outside of the moral code of, of whatever that you think is right. Kindness is the bad word until that person is what you think is wrong, and then suddenly hatefulness becomes acceptable, even normal, especially online. It's, it's just become normal. But Jesus loved us. He loves us when we were sinners, when we were messy, ugly, not got it together at all, outsiders. And are we willing to live in that pattern? 
to love the people who hate us, to, to respect and to honour and to love them, even the people who judge us, who disagree with us, who, who we don't understand, who threaten us or scare us, who are making decisions we don't like. Can our love be stronger? Can it be more powerful than politics or social issues? And you know, I think the enemy of God wants nothing more than to stir up division and resentment and bitterness and hate in us because that's anti-love and anti-love is anti-God. And if he can drive a wedge between us, then he can separate us from the only one who can break us free of that stuff and that stuff is what hurts us. So let's get our hearts right, and, and I, I completely feel, uh, yeah, leading up to this message, I've just felt the pierce of conviction because I know that this is directed at me. Let's get our hearts right, because if they aren't right towards each other, then they're not right towards God either. 1 John 3, 16-17 We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? 1 John 4, 7-12 Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. So love is God's character. It is central to who he is and all of him is love. He defines it. So if we are coming closer to God, if we are becoming more like him, then we are learning the way of love. If we aren't learning that way, then we aren't getting closer to him and we aren't growing up. Which brings us to the most famous passage on love. And as James has already said, it's planted in the middle of a book that is written to a group of people who were rife with division. There, there was division between rich and poor, um, on morality issues, on there, there was jealousies, there was all kinds of divisions, just like in our culture today, we, we can see, yeah, we can see a whole lot in our culture, but it, it was also in this culture, it wasn't like they were already living in a hallmark world. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 to 3. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and I understood all God's secrets plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. So love is what makes everything worth doing. It is the only reason we should be doing anything. If our efforts are to make ourselves look good, to fulfill obligations, or to get what we want, or any reason other than love, then it's empty and meaningless. Good is done, probably, but it is empty. And how confronting and humbling is this? I'm like, oh. 
how often do I do what I do for reasons other than love? Even, even things I do at church or things I do for others. So often, like, oh my goodness, check. So often coming today, like, how, how often do I want to be impressive or at least not embarrass myself? Or, you know, I'm, I, I need and I want to be compelled by love, but how often am I not? We like to leave legacies, philanthropy, progress, edifices, but imagine if on that day, that day when Jesus comes and we finally see everything as it actually is, imagine if it's the acts of love that remain. It's like the invisible ink of our lives are exposed and we see the real message that we were actually saying all along and anything else that wasn't done in love is it's just not there. So if it is God's love, what does it look like? How does it act? The peace de resistance. 1 Corinthians 13, 4-7. So it's just straight after that last bit I read. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. It heaps no records of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. So this is the manifesto of love, the golden standard or the definition. And I'm going to come back to it, but first we'll just see the rest of the chapter out. So carrying on 1 Corinthians 13, 8. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless. But love will last forever. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. These things will last forever, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. So our current experience of God and the life that he wants for us is incomplete. We're seeing him and experiencing him imperfectly or partially. Prophecy, tongues, knowledge, these are all good gifts of the Holy Spirit. They won't be necessary when we see God in his fullness, when we're living in the beautiful future that he has for us. But love, love is the resurrection life, the life we'll experience when we truly know the God who is love, when we're actually seeing him. It's waiting for us. It's already there in the not yet. But it's offered and it's even commanded to us in the, in the already, in the now. The Holy Spirit sent to us to begin this work of love in us. There's this hymn called Gracious Spirit, Holy Ghost. And it has this um, verse. Faith will vanish into sight, hope be emptied in delight. Love in heaven will shine more bright, therefore give us love. Or in the words of Tom Wright. This is a lot of reading, but it's too good to miss out. Love is the way of life in the new world by which, by grace, we are bound. We need to learn it here and now. It is the grammar of the language we shall speak there. The more progress we make in it here, the better we shall be equipped. 
Paul places these abiding certainties over against the things which the Corinthians were priding themselves on. Prophecy? Who will need them in the world to come? Tongues? Why would we need to speak them in a world where everyone understands everyone else at once? Special knowledge? We shall know all, everything we need to know, we can and need to know. There are things, these are things which belong to the country we live in at the moment. Love is God's river flowing on into the future, across the border into the country where there is no pride, no jostling for position, no contention among God's people. We are invited to step into that river here and now and let us take it, with us, it take us where it's going. That's so good, eh? As we are being made more loving, we are becoming more like Jesus and we are becoming more like we will be in his restored world. When we submit ourselves to love, his kingdom comes in us. And conversely, if we're not being shaped by love, then we're not growing up. And we're not becoming more like Jesus, no matter what else we achieve. We could be doing the most amazing miracles or whatever, but we're not becoming closer to Jesus. What's super exciting to me in this is that, yes, love is a duty. It is something that Jesus has commanded us to do. It's, it's a non-negotiable for the Christian life. It is absolutely a duty. But it helps us see that beyond that, it is our destiny. Love is our purpose and our prize. It's amazing. It is, it is where we are going. So let's go back to the heart of this passage, the bit that sounds so good in weddings, but it's not about weddings. It's, it, it, it's relevant for weddings, but it's not about just about romantic love. It's so much more than that. And I don't think we should be coming to this passage to use it as a way to feel good about how well we love or to beat ourselves up about how much we fail, which is what I'd be likely to do but to see how countercultural and how otherworldly and how divine this love is, how actually out of reach it is for us to, to achieve on our own, how much we rely on God to give us this perfect love. If it's his love that we want, it must come from him. And in the journey of pregnancy and um, everything that's happened since with Eli, I've been learning a lot about faith that it is a choice, a constant choosing to trust in God on one hand, but on the other hand, it is a gift that I need to simply ask for and, and rely on God to receive. So we choose it, we put effort in and intentionality, we put our money where our mouth is, we put our actions where our word is, we do all of that, but we also completely rely on God to give us the gift of love. We can't actually manufacture it. We simply are the source of this love. If we want God's love, it has to come from him. So um, I just want to do a kind of shortened version of an exercise that, that would be really cool if you do a couple more times during the week, if you feel like it. Um, we're going to look together at this passage and, and, and pray as we go and say, Holy Spirit, would you please talk to me, help me see what I need to see in this passage. I'm opening my ears to you. I'm opening my heart and my life to you. What is it that you want to do in, in my life? How do you want to embody your love in my life? So I'm going to read, I'm going to read it out um, slowly and just see what jumps out at you in this passage. I'll do it in a slightly different um, 
translation this time. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. anything that's popping out to you. You might like to turn it around and say, and make it a prayer. Oh Lord, please make me patient. Please make me kind. Would you remove envy, pride and boastfulness from me? If there's anything that's jumping out at you, then hold on to it. Keep on asking the Holy Spirit to um, to speak to you about it. And now as we're coming towards the end, let's look at it one other way. If God is love and this passage defines love, then this love describes God to us. How do we see Jesus in this passage? Maybe it would sound like this. God is patient with you. He is kind to you. He isn't envious or boastful or proud. He doesn't dishonor you. He isn't self-seeking. He's not using you for his own gain. He's not easily angered. He's not counting up your wrongs. He enjoys truth, not evil. He wants what's right for you, not what will hurt you. He always protects you. He never gives up on you. He is always faithful to you. He is always your strong hope. He endures all with you and for you. He always pursues you. Oh Lord, thank you that your love is so deep for us. The next chapter of 1 Corinthians begins with pursue love, and that's really it. That's the crux of this message. Pursue love, which means pursuing God. Choose to be defined by his love and ask for his gracious gift of love. So choose choose to walk in the way of love, but oh, we have to ask, we have to keep on asking for the love, for love as a gift. So I'd love it if you could stand and I'm going to pray the prayer written in Ephesians over you guys. And if anyone wants to come forward for prayer afterwards, that we are, that's what we love to do, it's the best, the best bit, the best bit's at the end. Oh Jesus.
I pray that from your glorious, unlimited resources, you will empower these people. You will empower us with your inner strength through your spirit. That you will come and make your home in our hearts as we trust in you. That our roots will grow down into your love and keep us strong. And may we have the power to understand, as all God's people should, all the people around the world today, how wide, how long, how high and how deep your love is for us. May we experience your love, Jesus, though it's too great for us to understand fully. Let it make us complete in all the fullness of life and power that comes from you. Lord, you know that we're not naturally, we don't have your love in ourselves, by ourselves. So we ask for it again. So come Holy Spirit. And do your work of love in us today.